What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to a world where anything's possible and where an addict has the freedom to discover that he or she no longer has to be tied to their addictions. Why are you here? What are you looking for? There are plenty of things harder than quitting smoking, quitting drinking, or quitting drugs. Are you ready to be reborn? Are you ready to be analyzed? Welcome to another edition of Addicted Analysis with your host, Mr. IMAX. Let's get ready to analyze. where we're going. It's a place where addicts, you and I, can come, discuss whatever's on their minds. Gonna do some interviewing, gonna do some talking, gonna do some recovery work. Alright, because that's basically why we're here. Now the bottom line is this is an idea whose time has come. You know, I don't know how many people out there, basically, we're going to get on these types of calls, and I don't know what's going to happen, but the bottom line is, it's something whose idea and the time has come. All right. My name is Joe. I'm known as IMAX, or Mr. IMAX, on a lot of the forums that I belong to, and I'm looking for people who want to share their story. Um, many of us, basically, have been typing for the past years basically typing out our thoughts, typing out what we do, typing out the way we recovered. And it's really impersonal, you know, not getting able to, not being able to hear what somebody's, you know, what's in their voice, you know, feel the pain that they're going through, you know, at any given time. Um, It's difficult uh, to get that emotion, you know. Um, 
And I think that if we can do this, and if we can get people to see that this does work, I think it's something that's going to help a lot of people. So what I'd like to do is get started and basically tell people, all of you, just give you an idea of who I am. Uh, a lot of you may know from my story who I am and, you know, over the past five years what I've done, but I'm going to share with you again, basically take some time, and, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and discuss, you know, who I am. Um, it all started 46 years ago. Actually, just had a birthday about a week ago, and started up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, both my parents, hard workers, um, misguided, I guess you could say, because they both smoked. Uh, my mother smoked while she was pregnant with me, as many of you will probably understand that. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's what, you know, they didn't know any better. And uh, growing up, I shouldn't say growing up, the first four years of my life, I really don't have any recollection of too many burnt-out brain cells, I guess. Um, but growing up, first Brooklyn, and then we moved out to Long Island. Uh, one of the things that I remember first of our new house basically was riding my bicycle at about four or five years old down the street and getting lost, maybe ten houses down, eight houses down, getting lost on the corner. I've been lost, or I was lost, ever since, you know, for, geez, 35 years. You know, the bottom line is that's a lot of us got lost, all right? But um, I grew up in Long Island, and basically we had some good friends. Everybody hung out. You know, it's not like today where you have to worry about your kids going outside. Um, you know, we hung out outside most of the day. You know, if it wasn't in school, uh, we were outside playing, I mean, and never was a problem. Uh, the only problem was the parents weren't around to, you know, discipline us. Or I should say, at least in my case, they weren't. Um, my Both my parents worked. My father, a hard-working truck driver, uh, worked for a supermarket by the name of Walbombs. And my mother had various jobs, but she always worked. She was gone most of the day. So when we went to school, and then... We had the pleasure of getting out of school, came home to an empty house, you know, and that empty house, I mean, sooner or later, you're going to get in trouble, you know, it's only a matter of time. I remember, you know, we were stealing cases of beer from one of my friend's father's basement, you know, and had my early indulgences in alcohol at uh, that time, uh, maybe fifth or sixth grade. We used to sleep out in the tents in the backyard during the summer. Somehow, some way, we always ended up with oh, a bottle of wine, a quart of malt liquor, a Colt 45. Remember that like it was yesterday. Uh, you know, my first introduction to drugs. I mean, one of the kids from down the street on the corner, oh, Mike, I don't forget his last name, but Mike's brother happened to be someone who managed to get some really good buds and Mike came down one day and had a big old gold bug with him well, that was my first introduction to pot um, I believe it was 6th grade basically uh, huh, it was interesting to say the least first introduction to smoking I'm not sure if it was second but um, we were sitting in or I should say the 
elementary school that I went to, East Rockaway Elementary School, there was a steel yard right behind the elementary school. Uh, many of us indulged in uh, exploring it. Well, one day we were exploring, get up on That turned into the start of what was 26 years of indulgence. Um, it was just amazing. I mean, just, you don't want to be the outcast. You don't want to be the one who says, oh, I don't want it. It's not for me. And uh, you go ahead and you take advantage. And, I mean, and I remember another time sitting up in a friend, or I shouldn't even say a friend, an acquaintance ended up at his, his house, second floor, smoke on the water, blaring, and LP, crackling, popping like I remember. And uh, we ended up smoking up there, pot, cigarettes. Um, and then again, it was just, we weren't, we weren't, we were foolish. But, you know, back then, who knew? So, you know, high school was an interesting, interesting place. Uh, we had the fortune of, I should say good fortune or misfortune, doesn't really matter, uh, one of my friend's cousins used to call us out. And she was about 24, 25. She had one of her friends, Cheryl and Laurie. Basically, what we would do, we would leave the house in the morning, say we're going to school, and we'd head over to Laurie's house. Basically, she would call us out sick. When we got um, later on in the day, uh, a couple hours into it, liquor store would open. We'd manage to get ourselves a bottle of Blackberry brandy, We'd indulge in some mescaline, and we'd spend our days being totally fucked up. Um, you know, in high school, ninth, tenth, you know, you know, tenth grade. I remember my sixteenth birthday. Um, oh God, I was totally fucked up. Uh, I ended up getting grounded for a month because you know, I wasn't allowed out of my house because I ended up skipping school for three days. And the only way reason I got caught is because we went to the beach. And I had gotten a major sunburn. And uh, kind of hard to get a sunburn when you're in school. Um, couldn't explain my way out of that one. But ended up in a, for a month in the house, unable to exit. All the while, though, smoking was part of our lives. I mean, we smoked on the way to school. We smoked um, at school. At school, there was actually a designated smoking area. Couldn't believe that. Now that I look back on it, I mean, back then, we, you know, you got to believe it because we were allowed to. Um, you know, and, you know, all through high school, that's what we did. We smoked. I mean, you, you could smoke lunchtime. You smoke after school. Uh, the parents weren't around, so, you know, basically, you know, we'd smoke. You know, was trying to be cool. Hanging out at the pizza place, Frank's Pizzeria, right across the street from the elementary school. People were smoking, so we joined right in. Santini's restaurant um, before high school. I mean, I remember mornings going there, and you could hardly see anybody in there from all the smoke that was just flowing through there. Uh, you know, no warning signs, no nothing. And, uh, you know, the drugs were rampant. I remember the my parents made the decision my father was going to retire. And, um, you know, here I am, a junior. It's the summer before my senior year. My father decides to retire and follow my oldest sister down here to Florida um, to basically retire in his golden years. I couldn't blame him. I mean, you know, 
he wanted to get out of it. I understand that, but you know, I was pissed because you know, hey, they're taking me out of my you know my senior year in high school. That summer was the wildest summer. I doubt. I'm surprised they even survived that drinking, drugging, and all the while smoking just followed right along. Um, I mean, it was just a wild summer. So, you know, they moved down here to Florida, came 1,200 miles, 1,200 miles, figuring they're going to get me away from my uh, my vices, I guess you could say. And uh, guess what? didn't work because no matter where you are, addiction is an addiction. Um, my first three days here, I ended up running into a guy. Um, he went to the same high school, or I should say prison, and he had four brothers and a sister. And those four brothers, actually the five of us, ended up being great friends. And, you know, my first couple of days here, I was introduced to Quaaludes. Um, I hitched a ride to school or was either to school or home from school. I don't remember which one it was. But uh, the guy I hitched a ride with basically pulled out a bag from underneath the seat and a uh, <laughs> bag of Quaaludes. Here, take some of these. Okay, no problem. Never had a problem taking pills, and the bottom line was, man, that, man, that was a buzz. You know, going to school on those, that was an interesting, interesting days. So, you know, the bottom line was, we had, you know, we had a party in high school, and uh, come graduation, night before I graduated, I ended up in a strip bar with four of my friends, five of my friends. And got into a major fight that night and went to my graduation. Total mess. <laughs> totally, totally hung over. I had a huge cut over my eye because I got kicked in the face. And I had a huge black eye. Oh, it was just a total mess. My, I remember being woken up by my mother screaming. Um, basically, I don't even remember how I got back to my house. And basically what she did was open my door to wake me up because it was getting ready close to get re- time to uh, get ready and blood-curling scream. I'm like, Jesus, what's up with that? You hung over and my face was a mess. I was caked over blood. Oh, I was a total mess. But you persevere, you know. Got tons of sympathy that day. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, graduated high school, kind of wandered around for a year not knowing what the hell I wanted to do. Um, and all the while, you know, smoking. And the reason we smoked, oh, we're going to be cool. You know, I had some of my friends from up north come down and visit, brought down some buds. And, uh, again, we're, we all just smoked. That's all we did, no matter what we were doing. You know, any pictures I have of myself back then um, or any of my friends, that's all we were doing. You know, bottom line is we smoked. Um you know, after a couple of years of wandering around after high school, I ended up working with my brother-in-law. That didn't work out. He fired me. Why? Because I ended up <clears throat> being late for work every day because I was drunk most of the time at night. Uh, you know, then I did something really good, which is basically getting a job working for a beverage company, private beverage company who delivered soda to Tri-County area. And uh, you know what they did was, after you finished your work, which generally was anywhere from five to six, it was free beer. What a job for an alcoholic. <laughs> I could have worked for free and just drank the beer. Uh, that lasted until 1988 when I had the 
wonderful fortune, or I should say, let me back up a little bit, 1986-87, I captured two DUIs. Um, after each one, after the first one, I promised, up, oh, I'm never going to drink again. I can't be drinking and driving, so I couldn't afford it. Um, I managed to beat that one, but I still had uh, uh, the repercussions that went along with it. You know, I had to go to school, I had to um, community service, and it was just a whole hassle. So I promised myself I wouldn't. I wouldn't go ahead and uh, indulge like I used to. That lasted about six months, all the while smoking. You know, I guess I was smoking for a reason. I don't know. But the bottom line was, you know. Six months later, another DUI. And that one, there was no getting out of it. You know, I was drunk, and I shouldn't have been driving. And, you know, got to pay your dues. And uh, I did. You know, but then I had a wonderful day on, this is a date I'll never forget, 8-8-88. Wonderful day. I had the wonderful opportunity to get introduced to a Hollywood police officer who happened to run through a stop sign, and I happened to be in front of him at the time on a bicycle, and he knocked me clear into the street. I mean, totally blew, destroyed the bike, ran right through a stop sign, put me in the street, herniated two discs in my back, tore my meniscus in my left knee, and uh, spent 10 days in the hospital uh, due to compliments of Mr. Police Officer. And once that happened, that's when things really went downhill. Um, addicted to painkillers uh, due to that. Um, the painkillers went right along with the drinking. Um, you know, smoking was right there. You know, the first t- chance I got when I was in the hospital, um, when I finally was able to get out of bed um, and be wheeled outside, I had a cigarette. Uh, that first day in the hospital, I was dying. I was jonesing for a cigarette. So I know what it is to go through that, you know. And then, um, you know, pretty much I lost my job. I lost everything. You know, I had a brand-new car. Um, I couldn't make the payments. I had to give it back. Um, I lost my job. I was unable to work. And um, I took up a, a job in a telemarketing office. And I was good at it. You know, I made some money, you know, and I met my future wife there. Um you know, but for the next uh, few years, it, that became difficult. 1990 was when my father was diagnosed with lung cancer. And even though we never really had a close relationship, um, it was something that it hit me hard. And I think that's when I started to really open my eyes as to what smoking can do. Um, I watched a man who was very strong all his life, and a strong will. Like I said, we never really had a close relationship. Wish we did, but we never did. Um, lung cancer ate him away. Went to his brain. Next thing you know, boom, he's dead. Okay, it took less than a year, and uh, he was gone. Taken, you know. Sorry. Um he just was taken. And, you know, it's not a way that anybody should have to go. But, you know, smokers, that's what we do, you know. That's what we do. You know, it took this man watching the treatments and just watching him go through all of that. It was just terrible. So for the next 
Oh, the seed was planted, I guess, to quit back then. And um, that was 1991. But you know what? To be honest with you, for the next 11 years, it didn't happen. You know, I mean, I got married. I ended up doing a lot of different things. You know, 1993, I ended up out in Vegas with my wife. We got married. You know, I did quit drinking, though. You know, back in 1991, after my wife or my girlfriend at the time, she booted my ass out of the house because I was an asshole. And, uh, you know, it finally woke me up. So I quit drinking. And, you know, it was really amazing how it happened because, you know, I was not one who wanted to quit. I always said I would, but, you know, it was not something that happened. And just when she booted me out, it was something clicked. And uh, I ended up in AA. And uh, I had a sponsor who basically was a real hard ass. You know, he wouldn't take any of my bullshit, wouldn't take any of my lies, and he knew every time I lied. And that was funny because, and you know how he knew? He was an addict. He saw himself in me. And every time I lied, Jesus, man, he caught me and everything. I mean, there were times he just wanted to get get away from me, you know, and he told me. He said, you're a liar, you know. Come back when you're ready to really quit. And I, you know, did some serious soul searching, and I quit. You know, since 19, October 12, 1991, when I woke up from a blackout about two feet from a gas pump in my van with my dogs in the back of the van, not knowing how I got there, that was a serious, serious wake-up call. You know, had I gone any further, who knows if that would have blown up or not. I don't know. You know, that was another DUI I should have had. Didn't happen, though. Somebody was looking out for me. So, you know, like I said, that's a long time ago, but, you know, I don't even think about drinking anymore. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's times where drinking is an option, but I just don't take advantage of it. Um, But that was back in 91, and like I said, for the next 11 years, I still smoked. Um, You know, I still indulged in my pain medication. Um, I still smoked pot. Um, You know, I did a lot of stuff, you know. But I did end up getting married in 93, in 95, we had our first uh, kid together, although we did have a, we do have a daughter. Um, it's my stepdaughter, Tara. Uh, she's a great kid. Um, we've had our ups and downs, but, you know, again, I smoked, um, you know, pretty much the whole time. My wife, she smoked as well, but you know what? One day, my daughter, Tara, she basically said, you know, Mom, I wish you would quit, and that's all it took, you know? She asked her to make her a promise that she would quit, and she did. And I don't know many people who do it that way. Just, boom, you're done. But uh, she did, and I'm proud of her for it. Uh, Myself, I used all the excuses. I mean, New Year's resolutions, birthdays, kids' birthdays, everything. Nothing. I promised when my son was born that I would quit. Uh, When he was born, I came home. I had a cigarette on the way home. Um, It's just amazing what you do. And, you know, a year later, my daughter was born, Sierra, and uh, promised that I would quit when she was born. Didn't happen. Uh, It's crazy, this addiction that we have. And it was just a choice. I mean, I chose to smoke rather than to quit, and that's pretty much what it came down to. So, you know, every single day that went by, I was kicking myself in the ass. Why am I still smoking? And I just light up another one. You know, even when I got caught, there were plenty of times where I got caught smoking. And my wife would look at me and say, what's wrong with you? You're still smoking. And I would lie. I'm not smoking. You know, I lived off of Altoids. You know, 
I don't know how the heck she put up with me. I really don't. But I'm glad she did. You know, 2000, we had another daughter. And, you know, Alyssa, I promised I quit when she was born. Didn't happen. You know, 2002 came along. And I had to make that same journey again. Uh, The one that I took in 1990 with my father. My brother-in-law was diagnosed with lung cancer. And for a year, I watched him. I watched him go through some really, really serious pain and fear and just so much. And all the while, he still smoked. He never gave it up. And I remember my sister lighting cigarettes for him and him just sitting there on the cat on the bed. And it's just amazing how with with lung cancer, how it starts in the lungs and all of a sudden it's in your brain. And they were so identical as far as just what happened. And, I, God, I never want that to happen. I never want to have to, oh, that kind of pain and that kind of aggravation and just, oh, I can't imagine what people go through with that. And I can never see myself doing it. Um, but, again, in December of 2002, um, he died. December 4th, 2002, passed away. Another victim from Marlboro. He's the Marlboro man. You know, that hit me pretty hard. And for the next couple of weeks, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. The pain of watching him, what he went through, and aggravation, I don't know, everything just kind of caught up with me. But even on... Even that, I mean, uh, New Year's, 2003, I was sitting there. I quit. I'm done. Four hours later, I'm out in my backyard having a cigarette. Why? Because I chose to. You know, it was just easier to smoke than it was to quit. So, just pretty amazing because on the 13th of January, 2003, I'm sitting in my office doing some work, and, you know, the thought about quitting comes into my head again. Did some research online, found this place called QuitNet, wonderful site, you know. Um, but again, all you're doing is typing, you know, there's no emotion there. And um, I found the site, made a commitment to quit, I decided. And, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, this, the phrase, quitting smoking is not hard, deciding to is, is what popped into my head that January morning. And, you know, I put down my cigarettes, I threw them out. And uh, threw them out in the back of the in the dumpster. And at 10 o'clock that morning, I made the commitment to do it, and I haven't had a cigarette since. And the bottom line is, I chose to do that. Okay, that's what you have to do. You have to decide that you want to quit smoking. If you don't decide that you're going to do it, if you do it for somebody else, you're going to have a damn hard time doing it. You know. And uh, I just wish my my sisters would, you know, get that in their head. I just wish my mother would have gotten that head in her head a long time ago because. What happened was my mother, you know, in 2000, was it 2005? She was diagnosed. She was supposed to come over for Christmas uh, morning to see the kids, and um, she never made it. I didn't hear from her and found out she was in the hospital. And, uh, you, know, she, you know, she basically was in the hospital. She thought she had pneumonia or pleurisy, and... Um, turned out to be a mess on her lung. She waited until August to have surgery, almost six, seven months later. 
You, know, you can't do that with something like this. You find something you need to take care of it. She waited. She pulled through the surgery. Everybody said was fine, which we thought was real strange. You know, nobody did any you know further testing. Nobody did any more X-rays. And then you know, here we are, almost a year later. And you know, she said you know she's feeling good. And uh, Christmas came again, and she's not at the house. She didn't come by. Why? Because she's in the hospital again. And they told us it metastasized and it went to her brain. She's in a brain cell. So she's ready to do more treatments. She did 12 treatments of chemo and radiation. She couldn't do anymore. They wanted to do 30. She did 12. And hospice was called. And basically my mom was brought home to my sister's house to die. It took a little bit longer than a year. And on Valentine's Day, 2007, my dad came to take her home. And... uh, he brought her home. You know, my brother-in-law and him came, and they took her home. It was hard. You know, it was just another person, three people, you know, watching them die. And they all died the same way. It's sad. I know other people who've basically lost everything, you know, because of this. You know, and that's pretty much me. You know, that's my story. I mean, if there's one thing I want to start trying to get people to understand is that you're going to die if you smoke. You absolutely will die. Our government has the ability to stop this. And you know, one of the things I brought up recently was, you know, would you vote for a president or a potential president candidate um, who smoked? And a lot of people, they don't understand the question, but, you know, thinking about it, it's just, you know, you're actually, you know, he's got a chance of dying while he's in office. You know, what kind of role model is that for our kids? What about for his kids? I don't know. Just, I'm rambling now, but, you know, it's kind of hard to sit there and just talk. Um, just trying to go through some of my thoughts here, you know. Um, as an addict, I've uh, got some, <laughs> there are some nights my mind just wanders, you know, and, you know, I, I have the benefit of being able to be online most of the night because I do work at night, but uh, the bottom line is it's, uh, you know, an opportunity. I think that's what we're looking at. I've got an opportunity here to share with people like yourself, whoever's listening, and uh, I want to take advantage of that. Got about a minute left, so what I'm going to do is wrap this up and basically tell you my thoughts, my ideas. Um, I'd like to take this and run with it. I think what I'm going to do for the next show, I'm going to interview or talk with somebody, a good friend of mine who, um, she's a beautiful lady, she's a big heart, and she's got some great ideas, and I think she's uh, one of the people that she's helped a lot of people out there. I'm going to let her tell her story, and then I want to try and get some people on, talk about you know their situations and see what they have to say and where they want to go with this, and I think we can do a lot with it, um, just getting people to listen, and uh, we have a big conversation, sort of like a big AA meeting nationwide or worldwide. I'm really looking forward to doing this. I appreciate you taking the time to listen, and uh, hopefully I'll get to talk to you real soon. This is I'm Max.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.